Well, we're all about eating clean, but what about drinking? I mean, do we ever really stop to think about how clean our alcohol is? I know that sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron, but it's something to think about because it's an agricultural product. And today I'm interviewing Todd White. He is the founder of Dry Farm Wines, and they're really doing wine differently. Today, after 15 years in the wine business, Todd is dedicated to educating and helping people make better choices about food, nutrition, and how they think about consuming alcohol. As the founder of Dry Farm Wines, he is a writer, a speaker, a leader in the organic and natural wine movement, and has widely educated communities on conscious consumption. Todd is deeply passionate about bringing people together to share love and laughter through natural wine. And today, he really schools us on what makes a natural wine, why it's different from maybe some of the other monikers you've you've heard, and why you can enjoy it and not feel guilty or have it ruin your eating plan. So I'm really excited to share this with you. I personally have tried Dry Farm Wines. I think they're great. And maybe even more importantly, I think what they bring to the table in terms of sustainable agriculture and health is really, really mind-blowing. So let's listen. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Todd, it's so nice to have you on the podcast today. Thanks. I'm awesome. It's just great to be here. Well, Dry Farm Wines really, I think, has created a, a unique opportunity for people to try natural, organic, biodynamic wines. Why now? Why do you think that people are searching for these types of wines versus maybe in the past when, you know, Kind of the idea of it just sounded a little bit odd. Well, I think education is probably the primary difference. So now people, you know, because of what we've done in the marketplace and we're the largest buyer and seller of natural wines in the world. And so the impact we've had in the marketplace, along with mainstream press, we were featured in over 200 mainstream news outlets last year and thousands of blog posts and uh, thousands of health endorsements, leaders, just educating people about why they should be drinking natural wine, whether they drink it from us or not, is not really, I think, as important as helping educate people about why natural wine is better for you, why it tastes better, why it's better for the planet, just why it's overall a better idea if you're a wine drinker you and care about what you put in your body. The, the other trend that's happening, two things with COVID, <clears throat> people have been drinking more, drinking yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. So they care more and more about what they're drinking. And then, um, and then also, you know, the, the wellness space is just trending generally. So there's just more and more people every day 
who care about what they're drinking and care about what they put in their body and care about sugar and care about um, toxins and additives. And so, you know, there's just an increasing growing marketplace. And as people age, their relationship with alcohol also changes. Yeah. And on that, it used to be where you could, you know, get the half gallon out of the, out of the box and, and you'd be cool. But as I think, as we all progress in age and become finer, just like wine, uh, it definitely has an impact on us and takes a toll. Can you talk a little bit about how you source your wines and how growers are responding to this growing demand as well? Well, you know, how growers respond is, is, a little bit more of a slow process. It takes between three and seven years to convert a conventionally piece of farmland into a healthy organic restored, you know, restored soil. Because what's happened with conventional farming is that we're killing the soil and all the organisms below it. And uh, this happens from the use of herbicides and pesticides as well as excessive plowing, right? So every time we plow the earth, we're turning the underlying life, these billions of organisms that, that, that are living just below the surface of the, of, of the earth, when we turn that over to the sun, it kills these organisms. So it kills all the life. So plowing, in fact, kills a lot of life in living soil. So it's not just easy that farmers can just respond. Typically speaking, these are, <clears throat> these are multi-generational landowners who care about their property and the earth. They're sort of hippie activists who just have never subscribed to, you know, this chemical way of life. Yeah. And, uh, and so fortunately, it's a very small community. There are only about 1200 natural wine growers in the world. Uh, they're less than one tenth of 1% of all wine produced. So it's quite rare. Um, and the reason for that is because natural wine growing is not very profitable. You can't make wine in very great volume using, uh, using natural protocols, which is not just organic and biodynamic. So all this is a bit confusing. So if you go into the store and you see an organic wine, that doesn't mean it's natural. However, all natural wines are organic or biodynamic. So just because the wine is organic or biodynamic doesn't mean that it's natural. Yeah. And this is all very confusing to consumers because they say, well, what is a natural wine? And if I say I sell natural wine, they're like, oh, well, aren't all wines natural? So well, how, how do you define natural? Well, it's here's the other tricky part about it. <clears throat> Dry Farm Wines has a certification process that is higher and above just being natural. And we can talk about what that means in a moment, but we have a certification that's recognized worldwide. However, there aren't any governing bodies or any countries that have certified what a natural wine means. That being said, there's an international community in the wine world that understands exactly what natural wine means. And I'll tell you what it means in a moment. But so France just announced a couple of months ago, they're gonna be the first country next year to certify natural wines. And this is a step in a positive direction because now we're gonna have like a country who's, who validates and says, this is natural wine and here are the standards. Yeah. Although their standards are the same as everyone else has. So there are three basic cornerstones to what a natural wine is. So it must be organic 
or biodynamically farmed. And biodynamic farming is a prescriptive form, an advanced prescriptive form of organic farming. Number two, it must be fermented with wild native indigenous yeast. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you make wine, you inoculate yeast with the grape juice, which is filled with sugar, and fermentation occurs when the yeast starts eating the sugar. Well, all natural wines are fermented with wild native yeast. It's on the skin of every grape berry in the world at the time of, of harvest. It looks like a waxy white film, but the it's actually, film. it's yeah. yeast. Yeah. <clears throat> you can wipe it off with your finger. Well, commercial winemakers, conventional winemakers, do not use this yeast for fermentation. And there's a number of reasons for that. So what they do is they use sulfur dioxide to kill the native yeast, the wild yeast, and then they inoculate it with genetically modified lab-grown yeast. Now, they do that for a number of reasons. Number one, these wild native yeast are temperamental. They're fragile. They're difficult to deal with. They require coddling, if you will. You have to keep a very close eye on them. And you can't make wine very large volumes with this yeast because they're so temperamental. Now, the genetically modified commercial lab-grown yeast is developed to be very sturdy. Um, it will withstand high alcohol environments. And you can make wine in very large quantities with it, right? Which is why it's so widely used. Right. And then number three is that natural wines are additive-free. And most people don't know this, uh, but there are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Some of them, in fairness, are natural, but a number of them are very toxic. And the problem with this, these, these toxic chemicals that are being used in conventional standard winemaking is that you, the consumer, the drinker, have no idea whether they're in your wine or not. Mm-hmm. Because they're not fully disclosed, right? There's the wine industry has spent millions of dollars of lobby money to keep contents labeling and nutritional information, but contents labeling and nutritional information off a wine bottle. So wine is the only major food product without an ingredients label. <clears throat> and it's not an accident why this has happened, yeah. right? So these large multi-billion dollar wine conglomerates this is the other problem with conventional wine is that the same thing that happened in our food supply, meaning massive corporate consolidation financed by Wall Street has also happened in the wine business. So today, nine or 10 of the food companies touch virtually everything that's made in the way of processed or grown food in the United States. Same thing's happening in wine now, right? So. In wine, the top 30 wine companies make over 70% of U.S. wines. And the top three make over 52% of wine. So when you go in the grocery store and you see these long shelves and bottles, thousands of bottles of wine are in a wine shop, most of those wines are made by just a handful of companies. Now, they don't want you to know that. So they hide behind thousands of brands and labels to mm -hmm. confuse you. Sure to have you believe that you're drinking from the farmhouse that's shown on the label. See, because wine is sold one of three ways, story, label, or rating. And the rating system is all political. <laughs> totally. The stories are not true yeah. and the label's just art. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And so they want you to look at that farmhouse on the label and believe that you're drinking from this quaint farmhouse or in these magazine ads where they show a guy and a girl in a vineyard in front of this beautiful winery that is quite small and quaint. But in fact, most of the time you're drinking from massive wine factories located in central California. These wine factories are multiple football fields large. They're ginormous. Mm. And that's where most of this wine is being made. And the use of additives are rampant and abundant, right? And so and that's just on the wine making side. And you took it to the farming side, you've also got, you know, you've got a lot of industrial chemicals being there. I mean, organic farming and, and, and then there's irrigation, which you know the name of my company is Dry Farm Wine. That means none of our wines are irrigated. Uh-huh. And there's a whole, a whole set of problems associated with irrigation that's bad for the vine, produces a less healthy fruit, and, um, and it's bad for the planet. So, you, uh, Todd, you, you guys have really pinpointed a lot of issues <clears throat> in the industry and are producing or offering um, better for you products and better for the environment. What, what is, is there a difference in, and I know what the answer is, but I would love for you to explain a difference in how the, the wine tastes and its nutrition label, if, if there were one because of that? Well, in our particular case, you, a moment ago, I mentioned that Dry Farm Wines has a certification seal. So in our particular case, we have a number of requirements that are over and above just natural winemaking. And just to cover this real quick before we talk about taste, because these matter in the taste. Mm-hmm. So we do not accept wines that contain any sugar. So wines are sugar free. We require that all of our vines be dry farmed or irrigation free. We require that um, that the sulfites, which are naturally occurring in wine, um, have a limit on it. We don't allow more than 75 parts per million of sulfites, which can be naturally produced. So we don't allow for the excess use of uh, sulfur dioxide as a sterilization process or a preservative. And sulfites are a big reason why people get headaches or feel horrible. It depends. There's a number of factors that contribute. And the big important one was we don't accept wines over 12.5% alcohol. And we have wines as low as 7%. Most of the wines I drink are between 8 and 11%. And the reason for that, and this surprises people to hear this come from the wine guy who they think is here to sell wine, mm. but... See, alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin and it ruins millions of lives per year. And some people just shouldn't drink at all, right? And so our feeling about this is if you do decide to drink, and I happen to love wine, I don't love alcohol. I like alcohol in moderate doses. And I like to wake up in the morning and feel great. And you drink less alcohol, you'll feel better. It's just a fact, Mm -hmm. right? You'll be less dehydrated. You'll have less interruption on your on your REM sleep patterns. It's just alcohol is not a terrific thing in high doses, mm-hmm. right? And so, which is why we sell lower alcohol wines. We talk a lot about alcohol. It has some benefits, but it has many detractions, right? And so dosage really matters. Like with most drugs, dr- dosage matters. Yeah. You know, I, I think 
You know, sugar is the most addictive, widely abused drug on the planet, and dosage matters. Sure. Right. And so, so anyway, the, this, but the way these wines taste because they're lower in alcohol, because they're sugar free, because they're additive free, because they're grown organically, they taste better. They taste different. Because they're lower in alcohol, they taste lighter. Mm-hmm. Alcohol adds both heat and density to wine. The heat and density hide flaws in wine. So when you remove the alcohol, you're tasting tasting a much more natural taste. Uh, I I had that experience. Um, I had uh, my brother and sister-in-law over and we shared a bottle of one of your uh, sparkling rosés. And we were just like, the experience of drinking was so pleasurable because it, it just like I would say it danced on your tongue. It's elevated. See, here's, there's a reason for that. Yeah. I can tell you the reason for that. So the, the wine has not been sterilized with sulfur dioxide. So when you sterilize a wine, as all conventional wines are, all those wines you see in the grocery store, they've all been sterilized with high doses of, of sulfur dioxide. The reason, the reason conventional winemakers do that is because they want to kill any living bacteria in the bottle. Now, that living bacteria happens to be also healthy for your, micro, for your gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. But the problem with having them exist is they don't have super long shelf life. They can have some bottle-to-bottle variation in taste and because, he's back, because the wine's still alive. And this spirit, this dancing, that's because the wine has not been killed. Mm-hmm. It's still living. We call natural wines living wines because they've not been sterilized. Dr. David Perlmutter, the several time best-selling New York Times author who writes on the connection between the the gut biome and the brain has written about our wines several times, right? Uh, Because there's this connection between these healthy bacteria and your gut microbiome. And so these wines taste like what you described, this this aliveness, this spirit that they have because they're still living. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that they taste like that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to try and describe that to people, but we, we have a great article on our blog that we'll share in the show notes about just what you just said about the connection between this type of wine and your gut microbiome and really being able to feed your gut kind of like in the way you would experience a kombucha or something else, but without the sugar. And that's always the thing that I tell people is you want the probiotic benefit, but then you're buying this stuff that's got a ton of sugar in it and you're completely obliterating any benefit that that would have brought to the table because it's going to feed off of the sugar. Correct. So when you, when you, you know, experience these wines, um, and you taste them and you feel better. By the way, I tested this idea on the alcohol. So I have an aura ring and I had a glass and I'm a lightweight. I'm like less than sure. pounds. So I had a glass of regular wine. Okay. Pretty close to bedtime. And it gave me the alert in the morning that, Hey, Maybe you better be careful, alcohol, eating too late, this and that can interrupt your REM sleep. And then I had two glasses, okay, of your wines, and I didn't have any alerts. So, like, it did make a difference. No, it does make a difference for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's real. 
millions of people know about it. It's real. I mean, we didn't, you know, we, the product sells itself. When, it. So for me, that, that was important. <laughs> yeah. When people, you know, what well, we do, we're biohackers. We do all kinds of self-quantification and testing. And, you know, I've been wearing a levels, a gl continuous glucose monitor, you know, I'm like, we're super into biohacking and super yeah. into quantified self. And, you know, because we want to optimize the human experience. That's how I got in this business in the first place, you know, was I didn't start off like, you know, to get in the wine business, actually, I was trying to find a better way to drink and just accidentally discovered the natural wine revolution, which at that time was just getting underway really in central France. And almost no one in the United States knew what a natural wine was. And still many people don't, you yeah. know, um, it's a confusing term. Again, they think all wines are natural, but for reasons we've already discussed, they're not. Sure. So, you know, and so I, I discovered it quite accidentally just by trying to find a better way for me to drink. I didn't, I didn't want, I'd become therapeutically ketogenic about five or six years ago. And I just couldn't process wines anymore. And I didn't know why I thought it was because they were higher in alcohol. I thought it was an alcohol issue, but that, and that was part of it, but that's before I, I or anybody else knew because nobody talks about us, it. what I call the big, dark, dirty secret of the wine business, mm -hmm. which is all these additives, mm -hmm. right? And this, and this chemical farming that just nobody's talking about. Mm -hmm. They think wine, wine has always been regarded as the healthy drink, right? Because it has polyphenols in it and it's always been, so everybody's just thought, well, wine is good, right? I thought the same thing, but See, not all wines are created equal, not only in taste or pedigree, but not all wines are treated equally in terms of what they contain, mm -hmm. right? And because we don't have any transparency, this is a big problem. And it is a big problem. And I think for people who are, call it woke uh, a little bit um, about, you know, what they're putting in their bodies regarding food and, and habits and, and such, and certainly, like you mentioned, with COVID, um, we're seeing alcohol consumption just increase at, at crazy levels. Does dry farm wines offer all types of different vintages or are your wines only available in certain you know, types of classifications? Like, I mean, can I get a Pinot Noir or Pinot Grigio or any variety from you guys? Yes, not, you know, in some varieties in the natural, see natural, natural growers are many times, oftentimes really focused on ancestral varietals, varietals you've never heard of like mm. Schiava or Trousseau or Pinot Duny or, um, uh, you know, all of these ancestral varietals that you would never heard of because Americans know like, you know, the top eight, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, um, kind of like, like an heirloom, you know, variety. Right. It's like an heirloom tomato, if you will. So, so the, they're also wildly more interesting and they're unusual and they're rare. And so, you know, it just makes for, for a more fun experience, but yes, if you want to just drink Pinot Noirs, we'll send you just Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, we encourage people to, to let us curate at least a few boxes for you so that you experience the, the variety that you don't know about, right? They're all delicious. Some you may like better than others. Personally, I drink lighter style wines like Pinot Noir, right? I'm just, I don't like big wines. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
and big wines are, you know, oftentimes associated with high alcohol, right? And so, because again, alcohol adds density and weight to wine. So the higher the alcohol, the bigger the wine's going to be. And for me, I eat super fresh, super light. And so I like to drink wines that sort of complement that food style, Mm -hmm. right? Big wines don't go with light food. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy, you have a lot of great stories about your wine growers. Um, I watched a few of them on YouTube, but I, I think that understanding the story, you know, that kind of goes back to my early days in the natural foods industry when we would tell the story of all of our farmers. And I was so intrigued by that. Is there a story about a particular grower or, uh, you know, particular wine that you carry that you really love? Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean, eating, fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. I mean, there's so many, you know, I mean, with COVID, of course, we haven't traveled since January of 2020 or, but, or February. Um, so we haven't, but, you know, over the years, I mean, there's just been so many, I, you know, just generally speaking, overall, you know, Italy's my favorite country. Yeah. And so the Italians are just like, you know, they're just kind of over the top. Mm-hmm. And um, so I always love spending time in Italy and normally would um, normally would be in Europe right now, uh, if not for COVID. Uh, we usually spend about six months of the year starting early in the year because now um, farmers are starting to, get called back to the vineyard, right, for for vineyard management. But between December and April is when most of the wine buying activities occur. And then, you know, I like to spend the summers, you know, visiting growers, they're farming and not really selling wine per se, but that's when we go over and spend a lot of time visiting, staying with their families because it's beautiful and like in Italy in the summertime is magnificent. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, and then I slip down to the Amalfi Coast for a week and, you know, do that kind of thing. So it's, uh, being in the wine business is a lot of fun. Right <laughs> All right. I'd like to be in the Amalfi Coast right now, actually. But 
definitely. Uh, I'm thinking about it though, and I'm going back. I just have to wait for this. It'll probably be summer of 22 before I get back, but that's all right. Yeah, it's it's worth waiting for. I studied in Italy, so I have a very big fondness, and I've taken many groups to Italy to go learn how to cook and just kind of be a part of the countryside. And I understand what you mean when you say it's just they're fun and so passionate. Well, about they're it. fun. They're passionate. They're super open. They're inclusive. They're just lovers. You know, they they love life. They love culture, and uh, you know, they're very emotive. Yes, and so. Um, there's and so is the Spain the Spanish art it's just uh, something about Italy that's always caught my heart you know yeah yeah I'm with you on that so um tell us I and we're gonna have a link for people to go ahead and try dry farm wines in the show notes but if if you were advising people I know you said let us curate kind of your opening order can you talk a little bit about how it works well so we're a wine club now you can make individual purchases from us, but not off of our website. Um, so the link, the, we're going to offer your customers, a, your listeners, a, a special offer of a penny bottle when they take an order from us. But we're basically a wine club, although we have special promotions, a couple, two or three times a month where you can make an individual purchase, or if you called us, you could make an individual purchase. Um, and many people do because they, let's say they taste a wine that's in their box and they're like, oh, I love that wine. Could I get a case of that wine? And then we, if we have it, we get it for them or find a similar wine for them. So that goes on all the time. But we're a wine club. We typically sell six bottle boxes or 12 bottle boxes on any frequency you like. About half of our customers are on monthly frequencies, the other half every other month. And you can choose red, white, mixed, sparkling, rosé, orange or any combination of the above. Mm -hmm. And so, but we're a wine club because basically we, my goal was to help regular wine drinkers because they're the ones who need the most amount of help, sure. right? If you drink wine occasionally, yeah. uh, probably not as important, right? You drink wine regularly, very important to stop putting this in your body, right? I'm a regular wine drinker, except when I'm extended fasting on water fast, I drink wine every single day. I never miss a day of drinking wine unless I'm on a water fast. Mm. And so those are the people that those are my peeps. So that's kind of what we started doing, you know, like helping other people like us. And so, yeah, so basically the wines are very affordable. They include shipping. They're $24 a bottle. All, bo all bottles are priced exactly the same. We make this super simple. Mm -hmm. So all wine is the same cost. Uh, we curate for most of our customers. Some customers are on what we call a custom subscription. So, you know, they want a certain type of wine. We fill that for them. But the majority, the vast majority, that's only like 3% of our customers, 97% of our customers receive a curated box from us, meaning let's say that they're red drinkers and they're like, send me a 12 box of reds per month. Uh, of course, we have people get one or two boxes a week, right? But so let's say you... <laughs> Just say go to their house for the party. Yeah, exactly. Let's just say that you, um, let's let's say that you're a red drinker. Then they would say, "Send me twelve reds," and then we would curate twelve different reds. So every bottle would be different, so that you get this incredible tapestry of flavor and, and exposure to wines all over the world. We don't sell domestic wines, so we don't sell any U.S. wines. And the reason for that is because there's no U.S. wines that meet our criteria of purity. 
Mm. Uh, there are a handful of natural winemakers in the United States, but for they don't meet our criteria. Most of them, the majority of them, miss our criteria on, on two points. One, they're irrigated. Less than, less than one-tenth of one percent of U.S. vineyards are not irrigated. So they're irrigated. That takes most out. And then number two, most U.S. wines are over 12.5% alcohol, right? So that takes the rest of them out. Yeah. Um, and so... What a big opportunity for people out there that want to do things the right way, the sustainable way to start really thinking about this because you know, we owe it to our soil too. I mean, we, we, can't, we can't just milk the soil and hope that it will keep producing fruit, that it doesn't work that way. Uh, no, we have to, we have to care for living soil. Really like where, you know, so much um, attention is being paid right now. So I think there's a huge opportunity. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's the problem with vineyards. You can't, you cannot unirrigate an irrigated vineyard. Once it's irrigated, you have to start all over. Well, planting a vineyard is expensive if you pulled it out and started over. So planting a vineyard is expensive if you want to become dry farmed. And then um, it's three years before you get what's called your first leaf. I mean, you can't get any fruit off of it for the first three years mm -hmm. and not much fruit in year three. It's really year four and five when you start to see ample fruit production. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very expensive, you know, to replant a vineyard. Then dry farming is more expensive. Sure. Right. It's also more difficult. That's mm -hmm. the reason nobody does it. And so um, unless you have like this, you know, serious commitment to it as these kind of hippies do that we do business with. Yeah, which we love the hippies, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I think um, I, I really, you know, kind of was excited when I tried your wines because I have tried organic wines over the years. Um, I think that they have fallen short on flavor. And I think when you're used to wines being, you know, the way you know them, it's hard to kind of change that it's kind of like anything when you have honed your taste buds into something but sure. um, i can say honestly that i really enjoyed all of the bottles that i tried um i think that there's flavor and there's just that dancing feeling that i just described where right. you feel like the wine is alive i i'm for sure if if you were to kind of curate you know a tasting which i think a lot of people are starting to do more of at home you know I mean, people are starting nice. to get out more but it's still really popular to you know kind of create your own event at home you know what what would you encourage people to try i know it some of it is a matter of taste but how would you encourage people to try uh, a variety well i mean I, you, most people have a preference and some people drink both red and white but you know red drinkers particularly only drink red like if you're a red drinker you just really drink red wine right and so <laughs> uh i'm a red drinker as an example i don't drink much white wine okay but uh and then some people drink both and then some people only drink white so you know choose your color right and um look you know even though it's a subscription here's the thing we make it super easy to cancel like we are not going to try to trick you into to a subscription nor 
Uh, there's no questions to answer. We, I mean, we, we, we'll, when you unsubscribe, we ask you why you left, but that's it. There's no series. Some of these subscription services, they like take you through, you know, screen after screen, and they're like trying to dissuade you from dropping out. And it's like, sure. I got out of one just recently. Um, actually, they signed me up sort of in a sneaky way in the first place, which we don't do. And, uh, and then canceling took me like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of clicks and answers and this and that. Right. And we don't do that. So when you sign up for a membership, you set up an account portal, you know, an, a username and a password. It's super easy to go on your account portal. And as 23% of people do, they subscribe and cancel on the same day before they ever get their wine. What? Right. Because what they want is they want to try a box. Right. So, so that's how they circumvent it. You know, great. But when they drink the wine, they'll come back. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I encourage people to really do that. I encourage people to try it and continue. Further, um, you know, also we didn't talk about this, but we have a hundred percent happiness promise. So what does that mean? It means that if you don't like the taste of any wine we send you for any reason, we will replace it or refund it 100%, no questions asked. You don't have to do anything. You can drink the rest of the wine. We don't care. Mm -hmm. If you get a box and you call us up and say, I didn't like any of your wines, we'll give you all your money back. What? That's crazy. Absolutely. Every day of the week. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it rarely happens. It's almost never. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like we're so confident about the quality of our product and the outcome from drinking it that – if you called up and said, I drank all six bottles, I don't like any of them. Okay, great. We'll give you a hundred percent refund. Well, that that's amazing. And that should be an encouragement for everybody. And I'm personally an equal opportunity, red, white, rosé, and everything in the middle drinker. So I think it would be fun for people who are open to trying different things, especially as it's starting to get warmer. Yeah, and just get a mixed box. Get a mixed box and try a variety and, and invite your friends over, invite your family over and enjoy it together and make a great meal. Which leads me to my last question for you, nice. Tom, that I ask everybody, if you had one amazing meal left, what would it be? Oh, what would you drink with it? That's, oh, I drink Pinot Denis for sure. It's my favorite grape. Mm. Very rare, super hard to get. We can't even get much of it, but it's kind of my favorite thing. Favorite meals, that, wow, they're just all over the gamut, right? I'm like, talking like favorite, uh, favorite. What's that? I'm talking like favorite, favorite. Like, Well, do I get to choose like you. restaurants or you mean just like? Just meals. So, it not have to be the restaurant. Yeah. Just what is on the plate? Well, I'd have the beef tartare from the clown bar in Paris. Ah. I would have the uni with uh, jalapeno uh, relish on uh, sauteed shredded potatoes from, uh, oh God, the restaurant in New York. I have sweetbreads from Prune in New York. Um, so it was just like kind of all over the board. I love a great steak um, if it's really good, right? Um, but yeah, so just, I, I love foie. So I'm just like, you know, I, I just think you have the most elegant answer of anybody I've ever interviewed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, awesome. I'm like a serious foodie. I can, I can see that. Right. Um, the roast chicken from Zuni cafe in San Francisco. Ooh, I'm with you on that. I love that chicken. I've had it. Many um, 
So anyway, you know, I, I could go on, but but uh, yeah, the 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 the, the, the uni, the restaurant in New York is called Wild Air. And I love small rooms. Now, Zuni's not so small, although it looks small when you get there, but they got a bunch of upstairs rooms. But but the like wild air seats, you know, like 30 people, yeah. right? It's in the East Village or Prune, same thing in the East Village, seats like 30 people, right? Also terrific bone marrow there. Or, you know, the um, the Clown Bar in Paris, again, seats 25 people. Yeah. Or... Um, you know, or the 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 incredible. Um, I just love small rooms. I, I love these, you know, because the kitchen is just more soulful. So you know? it it sounds to me, Todd, like the experience of having the food is just as important. And it seems to me like you've created a, this curated experience for wines too. And it is a lot about the soul and where. The product comes from and the story and being able to enjoy something that has a unique and the people you know this is a great thing about great restaurants right it's the it's, it's about the people you know and and people who love if you own a restaurant and you got 30 seats in it you're not there to make money uh you're there to earn a living doing something you love mm. with people you love producing soulful food because you can't make any money doing that i mean you make a living Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't you can't scale your income with 20 or 30 seats, but you can create a magnificent experience for people. And I'm talking about like, you know, um, these places are not uber expensive. You know, they're just regular prices. They're just like care about what they're doing, you know. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so crazy. I travel. I'm that guy. This might not surprise you. I'm sure you may be this way as well. Like if I'm going to a city, like I do a massive research on restaurants, right? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for the top rated necessarily, because those are not, those are oftentimes fine dining or sort of like, you know, this Michelin star sort of thing. I'm looking for that soul food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the one that and, does something so unique. That yeah, and you just, you just, it, you, there's a level of satisfaction. There is a euphoria, yeah. you know, and you drink great wine and you're with great people. And, you know, it's just so, I, there's a long answer to your last question. No, it's good. I, I would love to be able to go into some of my favorite restaurants and have your wines there. Is that in the future? No, it's not. We unfortunately we can't get enough volume one because these we can't get enough volume. We barely get enough volume to survive the demand that we've created created for these wines. So we would never sell them in restaurants or retail. That being said, there are some restaurants that specialize in natural wine or have a natural wine um, presence on their list. They're pretty easy to find if they're serious about natural wine. They're going to be listed on a wine app, smartphone app called Raisin. It's based in, in Paris. Okay. And, but it does have New York presence in San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles. So if you're in a major market, there's going to be some natural wine there, both at retail and in restaurants and natural wine restaurant, natural wine bars, particularly in, in New York on the East Village and also in Brooklyn. There are quite a few natural wine bars. So uh, in Los Angeles and Culver City and, um, 
you know, they're, they're, you're going to find uh, in, in Abbott County in Venice, um, Santa Monica, you're going to find some natural wines in these places. But if you live outside of a major market, it'd be very difficult to find natural wine unless you buy it online. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that, that's, that's, uh, so I recommend if you're looking for natural wine, as I said early in the show, whether you buy my wine or not, you should be drinking natural wine because it's a better experience. If you're in New York, that's going to be pretty easy. If you're in a major market, that's pretty easy. But two ways to find it, you can do a Google search for it, or also you can download this free app. It's called Raisin. It's a map-based app, and it works quite well. It works really well across Europe and works really well in major cities in the U.S., but, you know, you can look and see if there's any natural wine nearby you. If you're in New York, you've got lots of choices. Yeah. And, uh, or did. <laughs> I don't know about right now, but. but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to support those purveyors that are doing things the right way. So, Todd, thank you for your education today and for making us aware about what we can look out for and. I encourage everybody to give dry farm wines a try. Um, it really pleasantly surprised me, I have to say. Um, I was a little skeptical, but I was very pleasantly surprised and delighted actually at what I tried. And um, and I, you can't go wrong with your money back guarantee, your satisfaction guarantee. So try it out guys and hey we might if you're interested even do a little wine tasting experience on facebook live i think that'd be a lot of fun nice Get everybody to order their wines and then walk them through it nice thanks for having me today thank you hey thank you so much for listening to this week's episode i know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to what to watch so it means a lot to me that you're here with me And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.